you want victory, you can have it in Christ Jesus. Time once again for Abiding in Christ with Jim Wood. You have to step back, evaluate the various positions in light of Scripture, and then re-engage with a godly perspective. Pastor Wood is the founder of Weirs Valley Ranch, a Christian home and school for kids from crisis family situations. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at wvr.org. And now, without further delay, here's your host, Jim Wood. If you would please open your Bibles to John chapter 12, beginning in verse 37. John 12, 37 through 50. This is God's Word. Even after Jesus had done all these miraculous signs in their presence, they still would not believe in him. This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet. Lord, who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For this reason, they could not believe, because, as Isaiah says elsewhere, he has blinded their eyes and deadened their hearts, so they can neither see with their eyes, nor understand with their hearts, nor turn, and I would heal them. Isaiah said this because he saw Jesus' glory and spoke about him. Yet at the same time, many even among the leaders, believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they would not confess their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved praise from men more than praise from God. Then Jesus cried out, When a man believes in me, he does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. When he looks at me, he sees the one who sent me. I have come into the world as a light, so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. As for the person who hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world but to save it. There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. That very word which I spoke will condemn him at the last day. For I did not speak of my own accord, but the Father who sent me commanded me what to say and how to say it. I know that his command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. Jesus has done so many miraculous signs. There have been so many things that people could not deny. Jesus' enemies didn't deny the miracles. In John chapter 3, you see one of the members of the Sanhedrin, Nicodemus, a leader among the Jewish people, who comes to Jesus by night, and he says, we know that you're sent from God. There's no other explanation for the things you're doing. 
John is going to conclude his gospel by talking about the fact that if people attempted to write down all the miracles Jesus did, the world couldn't hold the books. Jesus did all kinds of miraculous things, not just the things we have recorded in Scripture. He did many, many more. John says, I'm recording the things that I'm recording so that you'll believe in Jesus. Here's the evidence. This is enough evidence. It's not all the evidence, but there's enough here that anybody who wants to know the truth can find it. Now, even after Jesus had done all these miraculous signs in their presence, they didn't just hear about it. These were things that people saw firsthand. They still would not believe in him. In the book of Revelation, we read about what's going to happen at the end of history. And as God pours out calamitous wrath upon the earth, people will know that it's God pouring out his wrath. And they still will not repent. Not because they're not sure. Not because, you know, well, you know, it could just be a coincidence. No, they know it's God. And they don't repent. They're still in rebellion against God. See, the problem is not we don't have enough information. The problem is not we don't have enough evidence. I was visited by the son of my landlord when we lived on Cape Cod. And uh, we talked a little bit about the Lord. and He said, well, I just, I just don't believe the Bible. And I said, well, what is it in the Bible you don't believe? And he said, well, the Bible's full of errors. And I handed him my Bible, and I said, would you please show me one? Well, of course, he couldn't. But he had heard from a professor in a comparative religion course at Boston University that the Bible's full of errors. And that's all the excuse he needed. So he didn't have to check it out. He just wanted somebody to tell him it's not true. You don't have to listen to it. And that gave him license to say, I'm an intellectual. I'm an educated man. And therefore, I do not believe the Bible. But of course, that's not education. That is becoming a fool. Thinking themselves wise, they became fools. Years later, I was pastoring in Atlanta. And I went to visit a fellow, and he was sharing his story. He said, I went to Mercer University. And he said, and they, they taught us that uh, all that stuff we learned in Sunday school, you know, that's just make-believe. The Bible is full of errors. And he said, I didn't check it out. I just embraced what they said, because that meant I could do as I pleased. And he said, and now I've done what I wanted, and I'm at the point where I need you to give me a reason not to kill myself. You see, people embrace the lie because they want to believe the lie. It's not that the light has not come into the world, it's that men preferred the darkness because their deeds are evil. That's what we read in John 3. And so here, again, this theme continues. This passage at the end of John 12 is wrapping up the earthly public ministry of Jesus. And here's the conclusion. 
Even after Jesus had done all these miraculous signs in their presence, they still would not believe in him. They still would not believe in him. It's a matter of the will. What do you choose? If you don't want to believe, you can always find excuses. You can always find excuses not to believe. But it's not because you're being intellectual. It's because you're being blind. I can't see anything. Open your eyes. Look. Folks, there's an easy way that you can help future generations of children in crisis. When you include Wares Valley Ranch in your will or as a beneficiary, your gift doesn't cost you anything today. Your gift is free of federal and estate tax. You're not obligated and can change your mind. You can still take care of your family by including them too. And you can leave a legacy. If you believe the Lord is leading you to do this, please be obedient to him. And then let us know of your plans by going to wvr.org and clicking on the Legacy 145 button. You'll be part of a group of brothers and sisters who are participating in Psalm 145.4, sharing God's mighty acts with future generations. To step out of my comfort zone Into the realm of the unknown where Jesus is and he's holding out his this was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet. Lord, who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For this reason, they could not believe. Because, as Isaiah says elsewhere, he has blinded their eyes. What? Is it God's fault? He has blinded their eyes. This passage, by the way, turns up more than once. Not only in the Gospels, but in the Epistles. Oh my. He has blinded their eyes and deadened their hearts so they can neither see with their eyes nor understand with their hearts nor turn. And I would heal them. Why would God say such a thing? Read Romans 1. Romans 1 tells us that this is what the wrath of God looks like. What does it say in Romans 1? It says, because... People say no to God. God says, have it your way. You don't want the truth? Okay. And God makes it so that they don't see. Oh, so is God causing them to sin? No. God is simply saying, have it your way. Have it your way. The most horrifying words you could ever hear from God. I just want to do what I want to do. Well, we'll see how that turns out. I remember as a child being very frustrated that my father didn't understand what I was trying to communicate before I could talk. I wanted to get down and walk because it was something I had recently learned. I wasn't real proficient at it. And we needed to get through the parking lot to the car as we were leaving Bethany Beach. But by golly, I'm pushing against my father's chest and trying to get him to let me down so that I can practice my steps. 
But I mean, I, I, I remember being frustrated. Why doesn't he understand? And of course, he did understand. What I didn't understand is that I'm not the boss. I'm not in control. Now, I'm 69 years old. And God has reminded me and reminded me and reminded me, you're not the boss. You're not in control. God is sovereign. He rules over all. We can't take our next breath apart from him. And we think we've got great ideas about how things ought to work out. God ought to do this, and God ought to do that, and God ought to do this, and God ought to do that. And if God would just cooperate and do what I say, my world would be a beautiful place. If Joseph had gotten out of prison and gone back to his family, they would have had a few years of turmoil followed by starvation. And not only would Joseph and his people have died, but Jesus never would have been born. If Judah and his offspring had died from the famine, remember they had to go down to Egypt to buy food because there was nothing for them? If Judah and his descendants had died of starvation, there never would have been Jesus, the Messiah. Joseph didn't understand that until later when he would say to his brothers, you meant it for evil, God meant it for good. If the wicked people in Jesus' day had not nailed him to the cross, a terrible idea from my perspective. When Jesus talked about something like that happening, Peter said to him, Lord, no, don't talk that way. Surely not, Lord. And Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the things of God. You see, God's working his purpose out. When you have to get up in the middle of the night and rush somebody to the hospital, where is God? He is on the throne. He's on the throne. He's working out his plan. Okay, so you're telling me I just need to come to grips with the fact that God is sovereign. Yes. But that's not all God is. God is love. He's not just loving, he's love. And therefore, you can rest in his sovereignty. You can trust in the fact that he is working all things for the good of those who love him, who are the called according to his purpose. So I hope he's, I hope he's doing that for me. Well, do you love him? Do you love him? These folks couldn't see anymore. They didn't want to, but they also couldn't. Isaiah said this because he saw Jesus' glory and he spoke about him when he said, to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He's talking about what God's going to do, God's power at work to bring salvation to his people. And yet, even as the majority did not believe, look at verse 42. At the same time, a couple even among the leaders, believed in him. Is that what it says? No. Many, even among the leaders, believed in him. 
But their belief in him did not move them to step across the line and say, I'm willing to give up everything. I'll lay my life down for Jesus because I know he laid his life down for me. This is not a new problem. It's not a recent thing. It's a problem with the heart. Many, even among the leaders, believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they would not confess their faith for fear that they'd be put out of the synagogue. Don't let fear govern you. Don't let fear govern you. Satan is trying to keep you from experiencing the blessing that God has for those who walk in faith. They were afraid of being put out of the synagogue, for they loved praise from men more than praise from God. And then Jesus cried out. He said this publicly so that people could hear. When a man believes in me, he does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. When he looks at me, he sees the one who sent me. I've come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. As for the person who hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I didn't come to judge the world but to save it. There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. That very word which I spoke will condemn him at the last day. For I did not speak of my own accord, but the Father who sent me commanded me what to say and how to say it. I know that his command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. So what's the main point? Here it is. The way you respond to Jesus is the way you respond to God. And the way you respond to the words of Jesus is the way you respond to Jesus. Let's talk about that for a moment. The way you respond to Jesus is the way you respond to God. There are a lot of people who say they believe in God, but they get real uncomfortable if we get specific and start talking about Jesus. If you just want to believe in some supernatural cause, yeah, I guess that makes sense. It certainly is insane to suggest that everything came from nothing. So I'm willing to acknowledge that there must be some great power behind it all. But when you try and, you know, tie it to your particular idea about God, you know, this Jesus thing, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't go that far. Well, whatever you believe about Jesus, that's what you're doing with God. The fact of the matter is, the God who created the universe became one of us in order to bring salvation to all who trust in Him. Jesus says that when you look at Him, you're looking at the one who sent Him. When you hear what he says, you're hearing the words of the one who created the universe, who spoke it into being. Jesus is the word made flesh. Go back to John chapter 1. 
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word, verse 14, became flesh and lived among us. God became one of us. So, the way you respond to Jesus is the way you respond to God. If you don't trust in Jesus, you don't really believe in God. You're an idol worshiper, an idolater. You are a person who has their own God. And you will probably find that your own God that you have created, you have created in your image and likeness. You are not God. I am not God. God is God. And if you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. Okay, so I believe in Jesus. We already, we already moved past that, right? I believe in Jesus. Well, what do you do with his words? When he says you have to forgive, because if you don't forgive, you're not forgiven. Do you embrace that and say, oh God, please, I can't do this in my strength. Change me. Corey Ten Boom talked about the Nazi guard who came up to her after World War II and said, I've become a believer, and I know that I wronged you and your sister terribly. Because he was literally one of the guards in the concentration camp and in the barracks where they were. Corey's sister had died there, horribly mistreated by the Nazi guards. And he said, I've asked God to forgive me, and I know that he has, but I'm asking you to forgive me. And he reached out his hand, and she said, and I just couldn't do it. I knew that God said I needed to forgive him, and I knew that God said that I, I needed to receive that man. And she said, I quickly prayed. and said, God, I can't do this in my strength. Would you please do this through me? She took his hand. You see, we can't live the Christian life in our own power. We can't be what God calls us to be apart from his grace. But his grace doesn't just bring us forgiveness. It brings us transformation. He comes to live in us and through us. So the way you respond to Jesus is the way you respond to God. And the way you respond to the words of Jesus is the way you respond to Jesus. I tell my wife I love her. Because I do. If she says honey, would you please get me a cup of coffee? And I say, sure, darling. And I don't. She may say, honey, did you forget about the coffee? And if I say, sorry, I just changed my mind. I don't even drink coffee. Why don't you make it yourself? I think she would have good reason to question that part about, I love you, darling. Right? I love my wife and therefore I'm eager to do good things for her because I love her. I love Jesus. I'm astounded by what he's done for me. I want my life to be a thank you to him for what he has done. And so... I encourage you to trust in Jesus and believe his words and obey them. 
know, Pastor, I've been trying, but I still fall short sometimes. I do too. We are a work in progress. God is not finished with us yet. But which direction is the progress in your life? I beg you, realize this is life and death. And we're talking about eternally, eternal life, eternal death. Trust in Jesus and obey his words. You've been listening to Abiding in Christ. If you have questions that you'd like for us to tackle on the program or comments that you want to make, I want to invite our listeners to call 866-41-ABIDE. That's our toll-free number, 866-41-ABIDE. Or contact us on the web at wvr.org.